Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. The Sharks head into Boston for a Sunday matinee game on the East Coast, and unfortunately the body clock just did not cooperate with them. Should we chalk it up to one uh, one for the schedule maker? <laughs> we'll see. But uh, I've got um, Mark uh, Eisenberg with me today, and we'll break down this game after the intro. But first, if you want to be a part of the show, teal together with us and interact with us and chat and follow all the social media that we've got going. You've got the Twitter, you've got the Instagram, Facebook, the YouTube chat, of course, uh, SoundCloud, the shenanigans that happen in Reddit, and then, of course, all the extra shenanigans that's over in that Discord. Uh, and uh, if you want to ever check out any of the other great content that we've got, We've got everything going on at TealTownUSA.com. It is a pleasure to be joined by Mark this afternoon. Mark, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Uh, you know, today was kind of a little bit of a frustrating game at the beginning, but then they kind of get their footing, and then, you know, unfortunately it wasn't the, uh, wasn't the outcome that we wanted. But definitely one of those games that showed a lot of uh, intestinal fortitude, at least uh, from my perspective. Um, but I guess quickly we'll we'll start off with what a weird start time. You know, it's yeah. these Sunday matinee games that Boston always seems to get, and then you know it, it's it's been more than one time that the Sharks have drawn this particular time in Boston. And, you know, the Sharks are notorious for not doing well, uh, you know, in the in the East Coast matinees. Um, what do you think about the the weird start time and just kind of everything discombobulated just to start it? Yeah. And they always say that the it's harder for West Coast teams to play on at the East Coast time zones versus the East Coast teams on the West. And then you have a one o'clock game like this. That's. That's challenging. And I can say I got a lot of experience with it because I lived in Boston for eight years. And I actually went to a couple of the Sharks Bruins games, um, one of which I remember I was in the last row of the stadium. Uh, pretty terrible seats that still cost me about a buck fifty. And um, yeah, it's just always painful being an opposing fan when you're at a Boston sports team's game. So I've got a little bit of, you know, nightmares from that, some bad blood. So I'm happy to be talking Sharks Bruins today. <laughs> Well, as a New Yorker and, and you know, I, I come I hail from New York lineage. So, you know, we're just kind of bred with that instinctive hate of Boston. So, you know, I, I, I feel you. I feel you. Dad. Dad was a Yankees fan. Well, is a Yankees <laughs> fan. And, uh, yep. you know, hate the hate the Red Sox. So, yeah, there's no Don't love lost here. It, no love lost here for the for the <laughs> Bruins and for the Red Sox uh, from my end. But uh, quickly, you know, this game starts off with just a bang. On that first period, first shift of the game, Brad Marchand with just a, a, a seeing eye shot right over the uh, let's see left hand shoulder of um, Aiden Hill, and and I mean Mark to me there there's two problems with this right it's it's the it's the defenseman not getting back um, it's the defenseman not getting back into the play quick enough. And it's also the, um, 
you know, the goaltending there. It, it just kind of left them out to dry a little bit. Um, yeah. I don't know. You know, what are your it, thoughts? It, it, they just came out firing the Bruins and they were applying a lot of pressure down low. Um, I think it was Burns and Ferraro specifically who struggled early on. Um, and again, that trio that Boston has up top of Marchand, Bergeron, and Pasternak, it's just lights out. Probably the best line in all of the NHL. Um, so, you know, you make mistakes against them, they're usually going to make you pay, you know? So that shot was top corner. Not a ton, I feel like, Aiden Hill could have done on that. Um, and what was it, 30 seconds into the game? So that set the tone right away for the entire game, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, the Sharks, you know, unfortunately – just really couldn't get a good footing in that first period. I felt um, sorry. We're we're having some technical difficulties. I'm getting uh, getting our cameras back on, so bear with us. Um, yeah, no, just unfortunately, uh, the goaltending. I don't know. Just didn't feel didn't feel like it started on time. And then of course, you know, the Sharks then really kind of meandered through that first couple of minutes seemed like the the Boston Bruins were really all over the Sharks and honestly you know it, it just looked like they wasn't ready to, they weren't ready to start um, yeah and I, I think some of that relates probably to the fact that they're playing their third game in a short period of time you know definitely the scheduling as you mentioned um, Boston came out really hungry. They played Friday night. Um, and they also, this was only their fourth game, I think of the season, but y- you could tell that they came out with fire at home in front of the home crowd and the sharks, it, they struggled a little bit out of the gate. Um, I, I wouldn't say it was a terrible first period. I actually thought the sharks had some really good moments there. And if they had final capitalized on some chances, they, the score would have been a lot different throughout the game. Um, but Early on, the Bruins just capitalized on all their opportunities, and that really, I think, was the difference in the beginning portions of this game. Yeah, yeah, and and it kind of even goes a little bit further. Um, Derek Forberg then kind of following up on a, on a really good shift, again, beating Hill on the shoulder side. Um, Forberg with his first goal, Marchand and Clifton uh, with the assists on that one. And honestly, I mean, that top line just dominated in that first period. I mean, I don't even – there's not really much more to, to say than they put the punctuation mark on, on starting. And that first line, you give them any time and space in that, in that zone and forget it. And the team just looked like they didn't really have a, a, an, an answer whether it was, um, you know, the Logan Couture line being out there, they, they really didn't have too much of an answer against uh, Marchand and, and Pasternak and, and um, Bergeron. And then, I mean, really the only, the only line that I felt had any kind of momentum was that fourth line. And mm. you know, that, that fourth line kind of kept it putting in a couple of good shifts here and there, here and there. Um, but then the Sharks take a penalty – um, an ill-advised penalty against uh, against Boston, and of course the the first line rolls out, and that first line gets the uh, gets the power play goal. David Pasternak, uh, his second goal on the campaign, uh, Bergeron with the assists. So uh, at that point, you know Pasternak's already got a two point game. Bergeron has a two point game, 
<laughs> and then Marchand has a two point game. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, really, you could you could just nail it down to that, um, you know, that first line just really, really carrying the, the Boston Bruins. Yeah, and I think that's uh, a lot of kind of what you're going to get from Boston this year because, like as I mentioned, that top line can play against anyone in the world. They're world-class players. And when the Sharks didn't capitalize on their power play opportunities and then you send the Boston power play out, a lot of times the team that has those kills consecutively, they kind of get some momentum off of that. And if you're also putting out some world-class weapons like they have, then you resulted in a quick power play goal and suddenly you're down 3 nothing. Yeah. Yeah, and and it and against a team like Boston, it, it's just kind of a big mountain to climb after you've got, you know, got your team into that position. Um, after that third goal, I was kind of thinking that Aiden Hill might get the yank, um, just because it was three goals in that first period, and he didn't really look all that comfortable in net, and especially kind of going down a little bit early on the the first couple of goals. Um, Mark, I mean, what did you, what did you see from the goaltending and, and did you kind of feel the same way? Yeah, it, it was definitely mixed feelings. I thought the defense didn't help out, but it was one of those situations where we weren't getting the big saves from Hill that we were in the first few games. So the specifically on that second goal, that second goal was pretty weak. Um, I think he had a pretty good sight line on the puck. And I think if, I don't remember which arm it squeezed under, it might've been his uh, blocker side, but he should have stopped the second goal. Um, I'm not going to blame him as much for the first one. And then on that third one, Ferraro had a really weak backhander that he did actually a few times in the game that I was like, he was getting exploited a little bit with those, but he tried to get the puck out, did it very poorly. And then they um, stole the puck quickly, passed it across the ice. And there's not much Hill can do with limited reaction time. So I, I, I thought it was kind of a combination of defense and goaltending in that first period, not, kind of living up to what they had been the first few games. Um, not solely on Hill, I'd say 50-50. Just let's leave it at that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And, and you had also talked about a little bit of the ineffectiveness of the Sharks' power play. Um, you know, the, the Sharks get a couple of opportunities back-to-back, um, -back, and unfortunately that power play just wasn't able to, to generate very much. I mean, there were a few – there were maybe two or three good looks in total on both of those power plays. But again, it, it just seemed like they were really, really skating through sand um, in that first period. It, it just the passing wasn't crisp. Um, a lot of drop passes, um, a lot of uh, second guessing on on the shot. Um, and, and it just seemed like it was a team that I don't know if they were trying to to pick their spots but a little bit more selective than we've seen in the first four games, uh, especially with the shot selection. And I felt that, you know, Linus Allmark wasn't tested, um, you know, too, uh, too aggressively in that first period. You know, we didn't really see outside of the Weatherby goal. We didn't see a lot of physicality in front of the net. Um, you know, we didn't see a lot of, uh, con you know, con contest uh, contesting. Um, you know, in front of Linus Olmark, and there just wasn't as many of the point shots that were getting through as clean. Um, it, it really did look like, you know, that the team was, like I said, skating in, in quicksand. Maybe the, the mental facts, you know, facsimiles are, were not there. Um, faculties, excuse me. Um, and, you know, I also think that the team, uh, I don't know if maybe they, they kind of waded into it, but 
again, just seemed a little timid, just seemed a little slow, and the decision-making wasn't as crisp as, as we've seen it. Yeah, and I think, um, again, not in a game like this early on, you kind of had to capitalize on your opportunities because the Bruins were doing that. And Dolan and Barabanov both saw open nets, weren't able to score. I think Barabanov's kind of caught the outside of the netting. I remember seeing, I think it was Weatherby who thought that puck went in. Yeah. And then there was um, Dolan's opportunity, which I think might have hit a leg or two in front. Um, but while the shots were fairly even in the first period, yeah, the Bruins had the more golden opportunities. And then that's why they were scoring. They, they were capitalizing on those moments. So um, the power plays couldn't really jo- generate that momentum for the Sharks. Yeah. Yeah. And then, as you had said, you know, it's the third game in, in uh, what is it, uh, yeah. 72 hours? Something like that. I mean, they yeah. played late third, not late, but East Coast time. They played seven Thursday, six Friday, yeah. and now one o'clock on Sunday. So yeah. it's, yeah, a lot of games quickly. A lot of games quickly. And, uh, of course, Boston's not an easy play place to play in, and that's mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, going into that second period, I felt that the Sharks, it was a little bit of more of the same throughout the first kind of 10 minutes. Um, Jake DeBrus scoring on kind of just a broken play, you know, goes in um, on on his uh, right on the left wing side, uh, shoots a goal again across the shoulder. And, um, you know, it was just kind of a theme tonight. Or, there it is. Dollar in the jar. Um, it was just kind of a, a theme this afternoon that that Aiden Hill kind of just shrunk down. You know what I mean? It, it kind of almost looked um, Jones-esque, <laughs> that shoulder. <laughs> um, and and I, I, you know, I wonder if maybe there was a little bit of fatigue, a little bit of jitters, a little bit of, you know, all of the above with Aiden Hill. Um, and, and again, I think we could, we could just see it in, in the confidence. It wasn't, he wasn't as aggressive. I don't think in that, you know, in that first period and then the first half of the second period. And really, I think the team could all kind of feel it. And Bob Boonern decides to make the switch uh, after that fourth goal by Jake DeBrusque. Uh, and James Reimer comes in and really, I thought, did a great job settling the group down, um, especially after like the first five minutes after the goal where, where Boston still kept putting on the pressure. You know, James Reimer made some really good stops. Um, gave the team a little bit of confidence, um, and then they really started to build. You know, you, you could tell that the team didn't have it still, but they were pushing the puck through the neutral zone a little bit cleaner. Um, they were uh, passing and being a little bit more uh, judicious about the shots, um, mm-hmm. getting some more through, um, and then kind of getting posting up and getting the body in front of the, the goaltender. Um, but again, still not at a hundred percent and and you you could tell that the team um w- was definitely kind of running on fumes there um but you know if you want to take the good the good parts out of it the the team continued to get stronger right they were kind of building upon each period kind of upon each shift after Reimer kind of stabilized um you know the goaltending the the team then continued to work shift after shift after shift and then we saw the lines rolling a little bit more fluidly. I think that there was uh, some movement. I think bolsters moved up and down the lines. Um, and, and I think that the team responded well uh, with Reimer being put in net. What did, what did you see off of that after, after Reimer kind of gets the net and calms the, the, the team down a little bit? Yeah, for sure. I think um, 
Pauling Hill in that moment was kind of the right move. Um, I think the team, like you said, did settle down a bit after that. Um, again, it was another goal that was high on Hill where they seemed to kind of exploit him this game, which is kind of strange just because he's such a big goalie. I think he's going to cover up some of that um, higher parts of the net even when he goes down. But um, yeah, I think I think Reimer actually played a really strong game after he came in, made some big saves. Um, and the team... It, I wouldn't say they necessarily like really looked like a much better team, but I feel like they just played a little bit more calmly all around. Um, and yeah, I mean, they shut Bruin, the Bruins down the rest of the game. And I don't know if it was necessarily just because they were up four to one for the Bruins. Like the Sharks just played a much more structured game after that. But uh, Reimer did make some big saves. And I think he gave the Sharks a chance to kind of come back. Um, I mean, talk about the third even going into the third period, the Bruins looked like they had a lot of momentum in that first portion of the third period. Now that's when I was kind of like a little bit worried. I was like, what is this? This isn't the Sharks we've seen so far this year. You know, they're playing a full 60 minutes. Um, but Reimer made those stops. And I think that then gave the Sharks some momentum um, in that later, in the second half of that third period. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we've got a few uh, comments that we'd like to highlight here from the chat. Uh, first off, Serena, appreciate the uh, appreciate the love for the background. Yeah, this has been years in the making. Uh, if you were a first time, uh, or not first time, excuse me, if you were a long time viewer, you'd know that the first two three seasons was uh, Landy's Laundry and definitely got an upgrade, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and definitely looking a lot more professional. So, yeah, I appreciate it. it. It took some time, but we definitely got it all pull, pulled together. Um, and then. Uh, we got Field Tanatic Teal Bleeder saying, is that a 62 or 65 jersey there, Mark? 65, EK. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, EK doing a – you know, I think tonight's game, EK was okay. Uh, this afternoon's game was okay. Um, I felt, you know, there were a couple times where – he was a little suspect in his defensive zone. Um, again, I don't think he was immune from the criticism that the team looked sluggish. I think he looked sluggish. Um, and I think Burns also looked sluggish too. You know, and it, it probably a good a good time to point it out. The Burns and Ferraro pairing to me seemed like it was the weakest tonight. Yeah. Gosh, today. Well, I'm going to sure. keep doing that. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, Ferraro and Burns just looked like they weren't on the same page. And kind of a little bit scrambly in their own zone. Um, they, you know, the, their kind of hallmark is that that kind of inherent feeling where they know where each other's going to play. And I didn't feel like they had that t today. You know, I felt that they were maybe playing a little bit off more of of positioning of the puck instead of kind of reading the, their their body language and kind of reading across ice. You know, where the other was going to be. And, and it definitely showed up in that first pass because I, f I felt that that pair wasn't making a good first pass out of, the, out of the D zone. It felt like they were getting hemmed up in the neutral zone or getting intercepted. Or if they were going to leg it out, you know, it was going to get poked off of their, you know, off the tape. And yeah. to me, I mean, it, it kind of looked that way from the, you know, from the eye test. Um, you know, they, they – Yeah, I thought – posting up a, a you know a, an even on the plus minus but yeah not not their best showing today and they got a lot of minutes too that's the thing ferraro and burns they uh, each came in at 27 minutes but you look at ferraro and i think 
as I mentioned earlier, with that weak backhand, that happened a few times during the game. And there was a few times where I thought the Bruins applied pressure on him and he didn't really play it well. Um, I don't know if there's some sort of link between being back in Massachusetts. Um, I don't remember. I know he didn't play there last year. This is his third season. And um, maybe he had a lot of the local UMass crowd there watching him, maybe giving him some jitters. But I, I don't really know what it was. But Ferraro didn't look his same self today. And I think as a result, Burns didn't either. Um, they did get the um, even when it comes to plus minus playing against that world-class line. But I still saw a lot of plays that could have even resulted in goals where they kind of just coughed the puck up either in the zone or they just didn't make, like you said, the good outlet pass. So something was up there. Um, I don't know. They, they've been getting a lot of minutes early on. Yeah. And like we've addressed multiple times, this is third game in four days. You know, maybe that had a fact played a factor, but Burns, what, 27, 25, and 27 minutes, I think, in the last three games. Yeah. So they're riding him and that pairing as a whole a lot early on. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it bears out from the stats, like you had said, you know, coming in in about 28 minutes. Um, same with Ferraro. They're both clocking in about 27 40, 27 um, 50. And, you know, the, the team has been really reliant upon those two, uh, especially for the tough matchups and then also for driving offensive play. And,. You know, now that we're starting to see Eric Carlson starting to look a little bit more like himself and, and get a little bit more comfortable, um, you know, leading on that back end, I'd like to see a little bit more of like a timeshare for for mm. that, um, you know, that number one alpha dog kind of kind of um, uh, minute, you know, minute distribution. And the reason why I'm saying that is because, you know, Eric Carlson is a guy that is a minute muncher as well. You know, he's a guy that can play 27, 28 minutes, 25 minutes, um, and, and a guy that can really, um, you know, drive the bus when he's on. And it seems, it almost seems like the team has kind of put him into the secondary offensive defenseman position, you know, and, and it bears out by his 22 minutes of ice time tonight. But... I would like to see kind of more maybe like a flip-flop where in one game it's a more Burns-dominant game and then and then the next game it's a more Eric Carlson game and, and really being dependent upon matchups, right? When you're playing against a team, uh, let's say like a Montreal, right, where it's, it's mostly um, skill forwards, it's not a tight-checking game, it's more of a, a free-flowing, you know, east-west uh, where skating is at the premium, you know, really see a, a guy like Eric Carlson, um, you know, take the baton and, and lead the defenseman uh, on ice time. But then when you're playing against a, a big physical, bruising, crashing team like like uh, the Bruins, you know, this is the perfect opportunity to have a, a Brent Burns and Amara for our pairing to, to really, um, you know, extend their minutes. So I'm wondering sure. if... I'm wondering if maybe we'll see that a little bit more. But as of right now, uh, you know, Bugner is flipping the script or not flipping, but continuing the script from last year of just writing those two incredibly hard. Yeah. And I think it's even just a, a point of longevity too. Like what happens later in the season, if you are able to split that time up a little bit more, maybe later in the season, you have less risk um, of burns wearing down. Um, it's, it's interesting because they're getting similar, I think, special teams time, whether it's PP or shorthanded. 
But the five on five is where Burns definitely seeing a notable difference, I think, over Carlson. So I don't know if it's just the trust there or the fact that um, he's paired with Ferraro and he's more confident in that pairing as a whole. Um, but I, I agree with you. I would like to see a little bit more of a split, maybe bringing Burns down a few minutes and Carlson up a few. Um, it, it, you have two world-class defensemen when they're playing well. You might as well kind of even that out a bit. Yeah, yeah. Spread the wealth a little bit and uh, you know get both of those guys out there for, for 20-plus minutes each. But you know, kind of get them a little bit more in line because tonight, today, uh, Carlson had five less minutes, uh, and that was mm-hmm. all on the um, uh, that was all on the even side of the of the ledger. So, the team, uh, you know, is down four to one. Uh, leaving that second period, we we did get, uh, like I said, some moral victories. Felt that the team was doing a little bit better throughout the second period. Um, but still not really able to put much of a, of a, a complete um, game against the Bruins uh, through that point. And, you know, we could talk a little bit about the new additions to the lineup today. Um, Gadovich draws in for Lane Peterson and then uh, Alexander uh, Barbanov uh, taking um, William Eklund's spot on the second line today. What did you think about the roster moves or, or lineup decisions and was that just a result of playing the Bruins or is this more about sending a message to a William Eklund like, hey, you know, last game he wasn't as, you know, into the game as as he had been prior to that. Now, again, they were coming off of the back to back from Ottawa. So, you know, being a kid, you know, coming back from from um, Sweden um, where the rigors aren't as as stressful but having that back-to-back and then, you know, coming against a team like like uh, Boston, do you think that, that was more just to kind of get the rookie some rest or more of a message sending by Boomer? Yeah, I think it's a it's an interesting question because you're never going to truly know what's going on there because you know he's not going to say it probably in his press conference. Um, but I would say it's probably a combination there. I think – there's a lot, like we were saying, a lot of games early on, and Eklund's definitely not the biggest guy. So he's coming in, he's going to be playing the Bruins, a bruising team. He didn't have his strongest game in the prior game. Maybe also a factor is Barabanov's health. I know he kind of struggled with some um, injury issues in the preseason, hadn't been able to play a lot. So maybe they finally felt he was ready to get in a game and just decided that it was, it was time to make that switch after having a lot of games in a short period of time. I think um, Gajevic, he just definitely draws in for the physical aspect. He's a big player. He's tough. Um, I think you bring him in. And I think those moves actually worked out fairly well today. I thought Barabanov looked pretty good. Uh, he looked confident with the puck. He definitely had some opportunities. I think he could have had a couple goals in this game. And he definitely had some nice passes there as well. Um, I didn't notice as much Gajevic, but he did end up with the assist. He got 11, 12 minutes of ice time, so he gave the team some minutes and I did notice him a few times in a physical sense, which everyone knows you always kind of need that against the Bruins. They're, they're a big team. And even without guys like they used to have, like Lucic and Chara, they're still always a tough team to play against because of the style of hockey they play. Yeah. So throwing his body in there definitely helps, I think. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with that too. And, and icing a little bit bigger of a lineup um, and bringing a couple fresh guys in that haven't played 
Um, you know, I think helped inject a little bit more into that fourth line. You know, the fourth line was the only line that got on the scoreboard through two periods. Um, and, and again, it just seemed like Weatherby, you know, really came to play. Um, I thought Gadovich had some really, really good physical presence, was really strong, made a couple of nice, um, you know, uh, passes into the slot. So there's a little bit of creativity. Um, and, and, and again, I think it just kind of made that fourth line a little bit harder to play against. Um, yep. Ian Reed, uh, love you, brother. Um, and, you know, coming up with the bottom six got worked by Toronto. And, and I think we all saw that, too, with with the Jason Spezza goal kind of victimizing that fourth line, giving them a little bit new um, mojo and, and, and then again, giving them a little bit stronger of a physical presence, and especially against a team like the Bruins. Um, I thought was a good, uh, you know, was a good play. Um, protecting William Eklund uh, or sending him a little bit of a message or all of the above, you know, that that's just the way that it is for a rookie sometimes. You know, when a rookie, you know, shows that his, his um, uh, not motivation, but I guess maybe the, the gas pedal can ebb and flow and, and that, you know, it's not a consistent, um, you know, output from him. Um, you know, you're going to have, you're going to have to, to, you know, teach the kid how to be a pro. And I think that's part of the evolution of his game. Um, the thing I sort of worry about and and sort of concerned, um, is just kind of what is going to be the plan for him. Is it give him the nine game tryout and then kind of see where he is after that? Or has he really solidified his position, you know, on the team and I think for a rookie, that also plays on the nerves. And I think it also plays on, um, you know, maybe a, a little bit on your confidence because, you know, you're, you're, you're worried that if you make a mistake or you're worried that if, you know, you're not outputting at a certain level that things like this getting, you know, healthy scratched, um, you know, could happen. Um, so... I think you expect a little bit of growing pains, but I'd also like to make sure that it doesn't evolve into another Mirko Mueller situation, right? Where, you know, they burn that first year on the contract and he ends up, you know, being in and out of the lineup and not really solidifying a spot. So, you know, I hope that the team really does um, use kid gloves on him. I would expect him to draw back in against Nashville. Um, Nashville's not... um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that they're as overly physical as they have been in recent incarnations. Um, but I also would like to see what kind of response Eklund has after, you know, sitting down a game. Yeah, and I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. I think it's it's a tricky area with someone of his age of how you, you, you play his situation. And until we get past that nine game point, I'm not going to truly judge it. Because we just don't know what the Sharks' plans are. I have a feeling he's staying based on how he's played. Um, but I think even if he stays for the full season and they decide to give him a game off here and a game there, I'm actually not opposed to that. Because, like, let's be real, they, they constantly say that those first few seasons in the NHL of being a professional is such a grind adjusting to that style because there's no other place where you play that much hockey. Um, against that physical of a game. Like in the juniors, maybe you get 60, 70 games or close to that, but you're not playing like 
multiple times a week. You you have like most of the week off because you got those weekend games. And in like the European leagues, how long are their seasons? Nowhere near this long. So for a guy like Eklund, who's also not a big body, um, I'm more than happy to see them give him games off here and there where they feel like, okay, he's still practicing with the top team. He's getting good minutes when he's playing. Um, let's just give him a night off and groom him this season. Like if he's here for the full season, but he only ends up playing 65 games, 70 games, I don't think that's counterproductive to his development. It's more what I would be concerned about is if he ends up getting buried like on a fourth line. That would piss me off because he's an offensive guy. He should be playing with top offensive talent. And I don't want him being relegated to six, seven minutes a night sitting on the bench. You know, that can hurt a player's confidence. I'd rather him be somewhere else where he's getting those top minutes, power play minutes and really dominating. Yeah. And, uh, you know, quickly, just to, to quickly cover up on, on uh, number of games played over in the SHL, it is 52 games. So mm-hmm. it's, it's 30 less games. So there's definitely going to be some adjustment period there. Um, and, and again, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a work in progress, but um, really we've teased it out enough going into that third period. Um, you know, the sharks again, the first five, 10 minutes of that third period felt that it was very probative. Um, you know, they would, they would chip the puck in, uh, you know, and then Boston would turn around and retrieve, um, felt that the, that the team really didn't turn the four check on until, I don't know. Uh, I would say probably like the six minute mark really, you know, in, in, in the first five, six minutes, the team kind of waited into that third period, but then, you know, started to do a little bit better puck placement. I think that they were also, um, you know, bringing the puck through the zone and not doing cross ice passes through the zone, um, and, and clean, more cleaner entries. Um, and you know, Tomas Hurdle, uh, like we had said a little bit before, you know, early in the game, they hadn't had that net front presence, but Tomas Hurdle gets in front of the net and gets a good tip on a Vlasic point shot. And he gets his second on the season, uh, and Vlasic and Barbanov uh, get the uh, assists there. And, and all of a sudden, it's uh, four to two Boston, and the Sharks get a little glimmer of hope. You know, they've got 13 19 remaining in that third period. And, and you go, okay, well, you know, it's good to see them uh, make a little bit of a push. You know, good to see them, you know, not lying down and, and uh, you know, trying to, um, I guess, show a little bit of character going you know into that third period and, and trying to end the game out on the right note uh and then a minute and 40 seconds later i mean timo meyer comes back with a goal his third on the campaign couture and burns with the assists and all of a sudden i mean the sharks just look like they flipped the switch and it's full bore full court press pressure now um the sharks i think really started to, to smell the blood in the water and really brought the the shots on um you know and, and unfortunately i think it was a little um you know a little too late to to affect the outcome of the game but i thought it showed a lot of character i thought it showed a lot of character i thought that it showed that this team is starting to mature uh, a, a little bit and that the team didn't give up even in the in the face of of uh insurmountable odds at that point and I mean, for me, a complete shift in the, the mental makeup of the team since last year. If we were to put last year's Sharks 
you know, on the ice for that third period, I would suspect that they would let in another couple of goals. Um, yeah. And, and really just sag really, really hard. But instead, as I have been saying throughout the entire year and through through the first five games, this is a team that continually gets stronger throughout the game. Uh, you know, they, they start okay. You know, I think they're sometimes they're a little probative. Sometimes, you know, it's it's a little bit hard for them to kind of get it out of the gate. Now, we haven't had a bunch of home games in a row, so I would assume that that would help mitigate that and help, um, you know, bring that along a little bit. You know, starting on the road is a little bit tougher than it is starting at home. And, of course, it's the East Coast swing, too, so the time zones and, you know, all that kind of stuff kind of partially explains why the Sharks maybe haven't started as – uh, crisply as we'd like to see, but they continually build through the through the course of a game, and I've seen it in all five games where the team just continually gets better and better and better and better through the game. Which again, last year it was short, inconsistent bursts. Maybe having a good first in one game, maybe having a good third in another. You know, second periods were just absolute murder for the Sharks all of last season. Um, but to me, you know, this this incarnation of the team looks like they're not taking things lying down. Looks like they will try to to give all that they have. You know, they they emptied the tank. I don't think that there was anything else that they could have thrown at them in that third period, uh, you know, for Boston. And Boston really did hang on, you know, by the skin of their teeth. Um, you know, I think they had really, really good opportunities with the empty net. You know, even before the empty net, I thought that they were pressuring really well. And it was just it was it was a loss, but it wasn't a loss in which I am frustrated. I think had we got had the game ended after that second period, I would have been. Yeah, I would have been a little bit frustrated. It would have been a, a game like, oh, man, you know, the, the team did not wake up on time. But having said all of that, adding in the third period where you come back and you score two unanswered goals and you get the team within one, you give you at least give them the chance to pull the goalie with the extra attacker with the last couple of minutes of the game. That speaks volumes to me. It, it, re- yeah. it really does. It really does. And, yeah. and I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think uh, you summed it up pretty well. And I think you look at this team and it's just a different energy from them versus last year like you said you know it's it's not going down without some sort of fight and you're not going to be perfect every night they're obviously going to lose games playing the Bruins who are a very tough opponent on the road never an easy feat and like they they came out weak they battled back at times there are times where I think they could have definitely even the score a little bit closer early on to give them a chance later on but for the most part those final 10 to 12 minutes they carried the game and like that, that goal by Hurdle, just getting a stick on it, gave them life. So you looked at that. They were back to what they'd been doing the first few games, just cycling the puck, possessing the puck, moving it, getting shots towards the net. They end up getting another tip by Timo Meyer um, to, to get the third goal. And then, yeah, they had opportunities even with the empty net. So like you look at the game as a whole. Um, yeah, in no way am I upset after this loss. You, you hate losing, but you, you're obviously not going 82-0. and 0, So it, losses are going to be in there. You want to see some fight from the team when they lose. And this was a game where they easily could have even pushed this to overtime and gotten a point out of it. So yeah. they, they, this shouldn't be a setback for the Sharks. It's really how they go into the next game. 
and how they play there. But I, I still like what I'm seeing, like you said. They're fighting in their games, and it's not just like a quick burst of skill where they score a goal here and they try to score quickly and the momentum doesn't carry. You're seeing consecutive periods of time here where they're like carrying the flow, shift after shift, uh, generating opportunities, which is what you like to see. Yeah. Yeah, and giving themselves an opportunity, right? I mean, that's that's the biggest thing is they give themselves an opportunity to to um, get that into overtime. Um, you know, the game was out of reach, but then they seemingly bring it back into reach. So it's it's one of those losses. Sometimes we we say that there are character losses and and losses that build, um, you know, a little bit of sandpaper, a little bit of grit. Um, this was one of those to me. This was one of those. Yeah. This, this is this is a team that could have easily folded with uh, the amount of hockey that they played within three days, the amount of travel within three days. I mean, you got to go from Canada, you know, from Montreal to Toronto. Then they got to cross customs, got to do all that going into Boston, you know, playing an early game. And, and there were a lot of excuses built into this game for me. But they, you know, buckle up. They, they put the they put the hard hats on they put the work boots on and they go to work in that third period and and they make it a game um and and again they give them a, they give themselves a chance to tie it up late um all you really could have asked for out of that um and again i think one of those one of those character losses that uh i think will provide dividends later on in the season just to go just just to show the group that hey you know what nothing's out of reach even a a four to one deficit going into the third period. We, you, you know, you can make it close. So um, again, you know, that's unfortunately the Sharks, you know, fall to the Bruins four to three. Um, you know, the team really, I mean, characterized by a by a slow start, um, but really bring it up uh, throughout the game. Um, able to kind of get the uh, the legs moving a little bit through that second and third period, um, and, and then inspiring confidence. I think throughout the lineup. Yeah, you didn't get the win, but you know, it was it was good to see the fight uh, from the team. So, you know, after all that being said, uh, the Sharks had 26 shots on goal. Um, you know, I, I think that's a little low. I think, and and we, and we saw that from um, you know the the number of point shots that got blocked. Um, they took uh, 40 shot uh, attempts, and there was 14 blocks by the Bruins. So that just kind of goes to show you, you know, how much the Bruins were getting in the lanes. Face-off percentage, 48 to 52 in favor of the Bruins. Um, you know, you're going to be playing against Patrice Bergeron. You're playing against Charlie Coyle. You're playing against, you know, some some big dudes, um, you know, on the Bruins. And I felt that the Sharks, again, was it a, was it because of the late or the early start time that, you know, the, the, the face-offs weren't as crisp or, you know, maybe it wasn't just enough energy in the tank. But, you know, that, that I think really does show – you know, kind of they were hovering in that 56 percent range and then to come all the way down to 48 percent. I think, you know, it goes to show you it was a little bit of an off night um, 0 for 2 on the power play. Um, but the big number that is a little concerning to me, uh, Mark, that really stands out on this page is 16 giveaways. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of giveaways. And especially for a team like Boston, which is a bang, bang type of type of team where they just feed off of giveaways off of turnovers off of um you know poke checks in in uh, neutral ice you know they, this is a team that that likes to to build momentum through the neutral zone kind of bring in like on a three-man 
you know, a three-man front going into the uh, opposing um, defensive zone and, and really starts to bear down. And when you do give the way the puck, that kind of just feeds into their game. Um, the giveaways yeah, have been high, have been double digits yeah. for the last few games. What, what are your thoughts on that? Is it just a young team or, or a team that really needs to focus a little bit more on passing? I think it's a combination of that and also just like you said, the way the Bruins play. You know, they, they're they quick um, transition team, but also with a heavy forecheck. You look at Marshan, he's going in there and he's going to lay a hit. Um, when you're playing against him, you're aware of a guy like him being on the ice. And I think he had a few, ta- three or four takeaways this game. Um, you look at some of those giveaways, like I mentioned from Ferraro earlier, the, it's those weak backhands. Those are the ones that always tend to, I feel like, hurt you. Because a lot of times those either go into the stands and you end up with a penalty, um, or you just have a weak backhand that doesn't get out of the zone. It goes straight to the point, and then it just throws everyone off, whether it's the forwards, the goaltending, and, and you don't really have the time to react, especially against world-class players like the Bruins have on that top line, and even on to the second line with Hall when he's on his game. Coyle's a good player. So you have guys like that, they're going to capitalize on those opportunities. So as the Sharks, looking at that, that's a number you definitely circle after this game is we gave the puck away twice as many times as the opponent. And it directly led to, I think it was two or three of those goals. So you can circle that, look at it as a reason of difference in this game. Um, One other thing you mentioned is the Sharks finally gave up a goal on the power play. So they had the perfect PK coming into this game, but the Bruins were able to capitalize on one of those. So um, PK has been strong early in the year. Um, you're obviously not going to go 100% for the full season, but um, that was also uh, that one goal could have been different in this game. The special teams there. Yeah, yeah. I mean the 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 next two power plays that Boston got, I felt that the the team did a lot better of a job with so- yeah. shot suppression, and I think that they did a little bit better of a job letting um, you know Reimer seeing the puck. Um, but we got a, we got a, a couple of questions or a, uh, one little comment here that I'd like to highlight. Carl, um, appreciate you chiming in. He likes Middleton this year. Will he stay this year or will he be sent down? Um, you know, right now with the Kanijov injury, I think Middleton um, has really kind of cemented a spot in the lineup. Uh, we've yet to see Sateri Hataka, um, you know, kind of draw in. So it'll be interesting to see what he brings to the table and what kind of attributes he has um, and maybe just give a little bit different of a look, but I've liked Middleton's game. You know, I thought that he's brought a good physical presence on the back end. Um, He's got points and well, he had points in four games. Did he get on the board tonight? He did not get on the board tonight. Um, But you know, this is a guy that, we didn't really expect much out of, um, you know, a guy that's a stay-at-home kind of guy, more defensively responsible, um, bigger body, um, but quietly really having a nice little start to the season with Eric Carlson and having some chemistry. And what are your thoughts on, on Middleton so far, and, and what have you liked out of his game? Yeah, exactly what you said. I think he's been reliable, and that's the most thing you want of uh, the guy who's playing with Carlson. Um, he's given us good minutes. He, I think he's been a physical presence. Um, I liked him today in that fight. I, I, I liked, I, they need someone who's physical, right? And I, I'm not a big advocate for fighting, but occasionally they're going to happen. He's a guy who can do that. And I think he's earning his way onto the NHL lineup. Whether that's long-term, I don't know. I definitely would like to see Hataka get into a game here or there. Um, Cause I, 
very high on his game. And I think long-term, he's going to be a, a player the Sharks, Sharks fans are going to become very familiar with. But um, yeah, Middleton's been surprising for me. You know, he's given the team good minutes. Um, like we said, he hasn't been really at fault. I feel like for, I can't think of any goals that were specifically his fault, but as a whole, you can't think of him as like a weak point on the defense so far. So yeah, I, I'm fine with him continuing as um, Kanijov gets back from that injury. I mean, who knows how Kanijov will even be coming back from that? Because it's not a, it's not an easy injury. It's been a, it's going to be a couple months. So he's going to take some time to get back in, and the Sharks are going to need guys to fill in. So Mids is doing a great job at that so far. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we'll see. I don't think we'll see Kanijov at the earliest until after the Christmas break. Um, you know, I, I think probably January is kind of when I'm circling a, a return to the lineup for Kanijov. And at that point, they're going to have a, you know, they're going to have a decision on whether they're going to sit Shimmick or they're going to sit Middleton um, or, you know, some other permutation or another injury. If there's something, you know, that goes on back there, excuse me. Um, and, and uh, I mean, Maria uh, chiming in uh, kind of quickly here. Um, well, we, we have talked a little bit about the, the lineup decisions, but I think uh, both Mark and I have, have kind of said it was a little bit to do with the lineup that Boston uh, was bringing out. And I think a little bit to do with just giving Eklund a little bit of a rest because he's, he's not used to the reps. Um, Lane Peterson, to me, had been OK, um, really hadn't brought. Uh, he had a couple of flashes where I felt he brought some skill to that fourth line. But really, just more of a defensively responsible kind of forward, um, a guy that could take a face off here and there. But there wasn't anything out of his game that specifically like shouted at me that said, "Okay, you know, we got to keep this guy in." Um, so I think it was just a case of trying to see what they had in Gadovich and and um, you know getting the bigger body in. Um, I mean, any other thoughts before we you know close it out on on the game today on on the, the lineup changes? You think it you know, bit them in the butt or, you know, maybe, maybe the goaltending decision, not coming back with Reimer in this game. No, I was actually surprised they didn't even do it early here. Um, and while it worked out against the Leafs, um, I thought on back to backs, they actually would have made some changes there, but no, it, it, I think it speaks a little bit to the depth of the team this year. You're going to see other guys jump into the lineup and if they can fill in like the guys did today and play fine, that's a good problem to have. You want guys who can fill in because ultimately there's going to be injuries throughout an 82-game season. So, um, no, Barabanov, I, like I said, he looked good. I said that earlier. And then um, I still – how do you pronounce it? Is it Gadjevich? Gadovich? Yeah. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. G- G- Gadovich, I think. Gadovich. Okay. He, he – um, I like him there because he's a, another physical body. You put him with Weatherby, and you got yeah. two guys there pretty big. So I support that decision, especially against a team like the Bruins. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm, I'm definitely in agreement there. Uh, okay, um, a little bit. Okay, Maria is saying um, appropriate. Oh, she felt like there could have been some more adjustments going on due to the scheduling. You know, we've talked a little bit about ice time distributions and things like that earlier. Um, if you haven't already, uh, please like, subscribe, um, you know, get the little notification bell going. Um, that way you can uh, check in on Teal Town USA after dark. Oh, of course, it's not after dark, but, um, you know, you can check out all of these uh, post-game shows. We do it after every every game. Um, you know, it's driven by fans, for the fans, and it's something that we, we love doing and love bringing out to everybody. So, again, if you haven't already, please uh, like and subscribe, and that really helps us out. 
Um, okay, so I guess let's let's do a little bit of a forward outlook then going into uh, you know going into that game against Nashville. Do you think Reimer bought himself a start with that second and third period? I I tend to think so, um, but you know we have seen stranger things before. What what are your thoughts on on the goaltending going into into Nashville and uh, you know what are you expecting out of the team from uh, you know from them? I actually really support the idea of giving him a start. I, I really want a one A and a one B situation this year. Um, I think that's kind of the shift in the NHL. You got to have two goalies playing well, and when you have that kind of competition, I feel like both guys tend to play better. Um, so. Yeah, I'm all for Reimer drawing in in the next game. He earned it with how he played in, what was it, about 38-ish minutes, whatever it was today. Um, so, yeah, why not? Uh, the team can come into that Nashville game, close up the road trip before heading back home. A lot of times that's kind of a tricky game. So we'll see how the Sharks come out in that one. It might be a situation where they come out slow again and then have to kind of battle their way back. But I think that's kind of what we'll have to see. Or maybe they'll come out really strong thinking, well, we can wrap up a road trip now with a big win. So uh, Nashville's in no way a strong opponent. You, you hope the Sharks go in there and take the, take the points. But um, we'll see which team we get. Well, I mean, the team can make, you know, can make it a great road trip going four and one on the road trip and, and far out seeding all the expectations that we've all had, you know, really playing to a, a collective team identity. I think a team that plays for each other, a team that doesn't quit, um, you know, and, and a team that, uh, you know, just just finds a way to make it close. And, and I think that that's all you can really ask for at this point from this you know, collection of players, especially with the infusion of youth. So I'm seeing some really, really good things. Um, you know, everybody's kind of talking a little bit about Evander Kane. And, and the thing is, we don't have to worry about that for another 16 games. Um, you know, 16 or 17, right? Well, it's 21 game suspension. 22 games or 21 games? I think it's 21. 21. Yeah. Okay, so we got another 16 games to, to worry about that. Um, you know, and at this point, I, I'm definitely one... I definitely believe in the chemistry argument. Um, you know, I'm definitely one to believe that that locker room, it just looks on the players like they have a lift, a weight lifted off of them. You know, they look like they're having fun again. Um, you, you saw how the team responded to, to Hurdle's tip. Um, I mean, you've seen how the, the team has responded to Weatherby's first goal, to uh, Dolan's first goal, to Eklund's, um, you know, points and first goal. I, I think that the team has got some really strong mojo right now. I think it's got some really good character, and it's in a good place. And I don't think that it is strong enough to absorb a, a player like a like an Evander Kane at this point in time, the, the locker room. And and quite frankly, I I don't see the team wanting to bring him back because of just the amount of disturbance and the amount of um focus that gets generated in a negative way when when he's playing i mean there there's always some kind of storyline whether it's uh, you know getting you know dinged in the preseason for for you know a, a hit on a ref or you know uh Ryan Reeves shenanigans on twitter or you know putting his foot in his mouth on instagram or 
you know, whatever. There, there seems to be a litany of, of things that follows this guy around. And, and, you know, put me in the camp that gave him a chance after Buffalo. You know, I, I thought, okay, you know, he's coming to a place, you know, a little bit more accepting of, of free thinking, of, of uh, uh, a little bit more liberal ideas. And, and I thought that that might be a place similar to where he grew up in Vancouver, where, you know, that would be more to uh, more of a strength and a positive for him as a, as a human being, um, you know, and, and, and helping him develop some character for himself. And I gave him that chance. And unfortunately, you know, he, um, you know, burned us uh, with that. And I, I, I think it's a team that, especially if they have any aspirations of keeping Hurdle in the fold long term, I, I don't see how you can bring him back at this point. And, and that's really yeah. all I really want to get into on, the, on that particular situation. But, Mark, I mean, if you want to dust that off and, and we'll close the book until, you know, we get a little bit more information. Yeah, I, I, pretty much everything you said. Um, I mean, I'm a little bit bitter because I've even got like a stealth jersey of his that's now essentially useless. But uh, it's it, I was actually a big fan of Kane. I liked the trade. I even was cool with the contract. I thought he'd earn it with, via his play. And to be fair, he did. Um, it's just it. what's always plagued him is his off-ice shenanigans. And, you know, you'd think being given the golden opportunity of a fresh start, team jumbo was picking him up at the airport you thought a lot of these things would help him whip his like life into shape but you know and, it, and I, i'm and not it's gonna... his team right i mean it's his and yeah. logan's team he was put in a position to lead you know put in a position to really um you know be the franchise player one of the franchise players yeah. and and yeah. pissed it away yeah, it's disappointing, and I don't. I am in the same boat as you. I don't really want him coming back to this team. They've showed way too much chemistry after the awful season they had last year, where it just looked like every man playing for himself. So I would like to keep this unit kind of together as they are, um, and then figure out what to do with Kane separately. Just keep him away at this point. Yeah, yeah. I, and unfortunately, you know, with with the contractual obligations and stuff, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge. But we will see. Uh, you know what exactly Doug Wilson has up his sleeve because he's always a wizard, uh, especially especially with the cap. Um, if you haven't already, please remember to subscribe. Uh, tell your friends about us. Um, you know we'd love to to get to the uh, 2,500 subscriber mark. We're getting real close, so appreciate all the word of mouth for everybody. And then of course tonight, uh, do not forget there will be a pucknologist. Uh, live at 7 p.m. Pacific. Uh, they will go ahead and wrap the week that was for the Sharks. Um, they'll have you know some good commentary and and they'll get uh, they'll get to get their input on where the team uh, is at and and just how they're developing. Um, you know I think you know just from our internal discussions uh, amongst the Teal Town crew, you know this has been a pleasant surprise. It's been a pleasant surprise and I think. Um, that all of us have seen some really, really good growth out of the team, um, has seen some really good resurgence from the veterans we needed to see resurge, um, and, and, and just showing character through those first five games. Um, again, you're not going to win them all, but um, going through and uh, putting up as good as a fight as they did in you know four or three games and four nights, um, you know, really... Again, sticking to a structure, playing to that structure, 
um, not playing a lot of uh, me, 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 superstar type hockey where you just, you know, give it to one player and that's it. it it's definitely structured, a, definitely a, a, a team that, that wants to play for each other um, and, and is starting to buy into what Boogner is selling. Um, and, and uh, yeah, for me, it, it's, a, it's a great outlook and, and the Pucknologists will, will go ahead and break that down and, you know, they'll bring their own thoughts and opinions to the table. So check that out. Uh, it's uh, here on YouTube, of course. Um, but if you uh, want to grab that link, you know, check us out on the Twitter. Um, but also, you know, check out tealtownusa.com where we've got everything uh, that we've been posting up. Um, we've got some great articles. Um, of course, you get all the replays um, and, and just a, a great place for Sharks fans to, to kind of congregate and uh, get their news uh, on the team. So, uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on who you are, <laughs> uh, you know, there we will not have the favorite uh, segment of the of the day because there are no other games to talk about. <laughs> the Sharks uh, started up with the matinee, and of course, it's ten o'clock on the uh, you know started up with the ten o'clock game on the uh, Pacific Coast. Um, so we're uh, barely kind of getting into the into the meat of tonight's schedule. Um, I think the Predators go ahead and kick it off at 3 p.m. Uh, Eastern, or excuse me, 3 p.m. Pacific, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, so we've got about another hour till we get another puck drop going on. So it'll be the Predators in the Wild, uh, followed by the Blackhawks and the Red Wings, the Islanders and the Golden Knights. And that kind of wraps up your, your lazy, lazy Sunday afternoon. So maybe uh, go out and check out some football, of course, uh, you know. We won't talk about the 49ers, but um, <laughs> but anyhow, yeah, uh, you know, it'll be a it'll be a good uh, little night of respite uh, in the NHL uh, with only those three other games on. Um, and uh, in case you missed it, you can catch us everywhere. I mean, literally everywhere. We're on Apple uh, podcasts. We're on the Google Play Store, of course, on the YouTube with the replays, SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio. Your favorite uh, podcasting radio app, we're probably on it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, if you haven't uh, haven't already, please like and subscribe. Uh, check it out. Uh, check out all the great content that we've got coming to you. And uh, and uh, quickly, you know, we'll just uh, give it a, you know, give it our our normal uh, send out. So, Mark, where what are your final thoughts on where the people can find you? Um, final thoughts. Sharks are four and one. All right. We're, we're looking good. Let's not, uh, get too upset over one loss to the Bruins, a great team. So let's, let's all be really happy with what we've seen so, so far through five games. I'm feeling optimistic and I'm really hoping my bold prediction of the Sharks making the playoffs is looking strong after five games. Um, so yeah, and you can find me, um, as on the screen at Mark E Mark SJS, follow me. I'm regularly posting updates on Sharks prospects as well as rambling about the Sharks. So some good stuff there. Love the discussion. And that uh, wraps it up on the day for me. <laughs> uh, appreciate it, Mark. Appreciate you coming out, especially on, uh, you know, on one of these uh, wacky uh, game times and, and one of these wacky, not even after dark, but after afternoon, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it'll be dark here soon. <laughs> yeah. It'll be dark you got about an hour left of light. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and for myself, uh, you can find me at Eric Landy, of course, on the screen. That's E-R-I-K, spelled the right way, L-A-N-D-I on all the social media garbage. Uh, you know, name a platform, I'm probably on it. <laughs> so uh, go check us out um, yeah, and appreciate uh, everybody uh, tuning in. 
and uh, everybody, um, you know, just uh, starting to enjoy this season and, and seeing where it's taken us. So with that being said, I'll let's see if I can get this sign off right. Let's keep it real. Let's keep it teal. Let's keep it real teal. Thanks, everybody. And we will see you after the game against the Nashville Predators on Tuesday.